not about politics, it's about football. This is a simple game. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to pass the ball. He's just going to play football, really. How good of a football player are you? I just get it and try to spin it. That's all. I just love the game. It really is the best time of the year. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to It's Just Football. Trevor Sikama, Mike Renner here with you on a beautiful Monday morning to recap everything that we saw in the NFL from Week 10's slate of action. Mike, double-digit weeks now. We're Week 10. I know, oh, but it's halfway not, over. But it's but it's just halfway over, and it's week ten because of the stupid eighteen week schedule. Is it stupid though? It is stupid. Is more football games. stupid? Uh, I think so. I, I have different different takes on this though because I, I think the team should be healthy at the end of the year. I, I don't want to see teams limping in the playoffs, and unfortunately, we're probably going to be seeing it's that six week season. That's what you want. Well, I mean. I thought 16 was just perfectly symmetrical. The old playoff system was... You want six weeks of the regular season and then a gauntlet of every mm. team getting eliminated one by one every single week for and the then next just like, a two power months. ranking. A power ranking of who's going to be in the playoffs instead of actual wins and losses. Actual wins and losses? computer it's like the, plays out the playoffs. Oh, actually. you know, I think there's, we should call it the BCS. Okay, yeah. I feel like, that you works. know, that just came to me. I don't know where it came from. It just came out of nowhere. Um, what's up to everybody who's watching the show? Appreciate you, Gage. You guys tuning in. It's a jam-packed Monday, as all Mondays are. We're going to be going over what game we want to talk about the most, the game that shaped the playoffs, the game that shaped the draft, games that didn't even make sense, and also have some definitive statements as well. We do have a segment at the end of the show I want to tell you guys called Today I Learned This. Really, it's this weekend I learned this, and we want to hear from you guys. We want this to be a chat-driven segment as well. Mike and I have some things that we're going to declare we learned for the first time this weekend, but we want to hear what you learned definitively this weekend as well. Sam, what's up to the guys in the production portal right now? Quinn, packed house in there. How are we feeling this morning? Good, man, uh, but I, I feel like we have to address... Uh, reigning chat champ drummer. Yes, said he's in court this morning. I did see that. I, uh, I hold on. Let me <laughs> let me scroll back up. Well, I'm scrolling back up. So drummer drummer TF1 was our chat champ for Friday. So if you chat champ for Friday, that means that you're the uh, chat champ. You get to wear the crown for the Monday show. He got in here to his credit. Got in here early. Made a statement. Let us know. So wanted to stop in and say that I won't be able to be in the chat today because I'll be in court. But I'll be watching on my way home from work later. Appreciate the opportunity to be the chat champ. Gonna need some more details on why yeah, man's in court. We might be rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, on what you did. yeah, we can't don't know. wholesale say we're rooting for you we did that at the moment. He said he was coming home from work. He was going to be able to listen to the show. So I've got to assume the, the, him, the reason for him being in court is not that bad, I hope. Yeah. But we, we need more details. Need Look more details prevails. in here from, uh, from Drummer. Quinn, I noticed you got the beanie on. It's officially beanie season yeah, in Cincinnati. It's it's very cold in Cincinnati. It's snow this weekend. It's, That's AFC North weather. It's true. It's not great. It's not great. No, it's not. Look, great. I'm from Florida. It's I cold. Hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. But yeah, lows in the 20s this week. Not great. No. But that's, that's football. I, I mean, you got to play it for the elements, and we're playing for our elements. No, I, hate, elements no I absolutely hate that. Every single football game should be held in the great state of Florida. That's my take. That's my take. I am a big domed games are should be the playoffs in Super Bowl. Mm. Should be in domes. I don't want any rain-affecting games. I don't want mm. any snow-affecting games. Everyone should have a retractable roof because it just it ceases to be the entertaining product that football should be. Hayden said maybe, D, maybe drummer TF1 is a lawyer. We didn't even think of that. 
Our minds oh, just immediately yeah. went to like worst case. Worst case I like that guess. Mm -hmm. You probably He's is. probably a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and if not, <laughs> that's that's bad on us. We immediately jumped to like, oh yeah, he did something nefarious. <laughs> we might be rooting for you. Meanwhile, he's, he's just. I actually don't know. I still don't know. So we're speculating at this point. Well, I don't no, know. we could still. It, it's still up for debate. It depends on what his client did. If his client like killed somebody, then like well, yeah, that's not yeah, that's then no, obviously that's that's well okay all right we're we got to move on from this. There's too much speculation with things that could actually matter here. Do you have a question today, which doesn't have to do with what George Drummer is doing I, I in court? Do, yeah, you'll like this one because okay. it's Bucks related because they look like they're gonna sneak into the playoffs and probably go to another Super Bowl. Um, so on that note, when is the last time a Tom Brady led team? did not make the playoffs. So, this is, so the injury season doesn't... Wait, yeah, I, I'm not counting the injury season because he played not even a full game. Michigan for the college football playoff? No, I mean, yeah, like that's... You know what? I think it was after after his very first Super Bowl. So was that 03? I don't think they made it then in 04. After um, his first one. Was that his first one? I think the Patriots didn't the Patriots win one, and then the Bucks won the next one, and then the Patriots won the next two. Or maybe I'm getting the order wrong. Either way, I'm gonna guess 2004. I think 2000. It's either three or four. I think, I'm gonna guess 2004. I think I'm gonna go 2003. Okay, I'm gonna go 2003. Or 2002. A lot, a lot of people are guessing 2002. A lot of people are guessing okay, 2002. Okay, it was 01, then the first Super Bowl. It was the year after the first Super Bowl. They didn't make the yeah. last. And then I think that was the last one. Wait, which one are we, are we talking about? Like the regular season or the... Or so, the, yeah, they went 01, I would say, 03, I would say 04. The, was that those years they won? Then I would say 02. The 02 season is the one that the Bucks made the playoffs okay, and won the Super Bowl. Bowl. Okay. So then I think that is that one. So I'd say that one. Yeah, I'd probably guess that one too. That's a long time ago. That would be a great tieback too. It's yeah. the last time Tom Brady did make. Didn't make playoffs. That was the last time? Hold on. Wait. It's just clicking in my head. Yeah. Right? They made it. That's the last time? It's insane. Tom Brady's whole career is insane. It's a joke. It's a joke. Unbelievable how we got there. Okay, my official guess is 2002. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are also guessing 2002. But. We'll see what the final answer is when Quinn reveals it at the end of the show. Give you guys a little suspense. It's called a teaser. It's why we got to keep you around for the whole show. Then we get the views the whole time. It's called business, folks. We're trying to do here. Let's talk about some of these Week 10 games. Mike, we break this up into four different categories as we do every single Monday to start the show. Talk about a, what game we want to talk about most, a game that shaped the playoffs, a game that shaped the draft, and then um, the game that just did not make any sense. And along the way, when we give our games, we would love to hear from you guys as well. So we will start with the game that you want to talk about the most. Mike, what is the game that you want to talk about most here on yeah. a beautiful Monday morning? I mean, I think it's the game that everyone wants to talk about. The game the of the year? It's the Vikings at the Bills. It was the game of the year. It was insanity. It's one of those games where there's like five different things that happened where you're a Bills fan. You're like, that goes the other way. We win this game. And one of those five things was an insane catch by Justin Jefferson that we'll get to at some point to debate on the show. And another was the fumble. I left. I was telling Trev yesterday, I left. I was watching games. He did. All the early slated games at the bar. This was like the last game of the early slate at the bar. They, get, they don't get the fourth down conversion. Kirk Cousins sneak, left short. I'm like, okay, let's go. Walk back up to the place, get back. 
All of a sudden, the Vikings are winning. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> How did that, how was that possible? Yeah. Because in, I think that was only the second defensive touchdown in the final minute of a game with the team winning in NFL history. So, yeah, a lot of history there made in that game. Very much shapes the playoffs as well because now the Bills behind the Dolphins in the AFC East and obviously the Vikings just running away with the NFC North. Yeah, Josh Allen now 0-4 in overtime games. I saw that. So they lose 33-30, to obviously super close in this one. But it wasn't close the whole time, right? I think going into the fourth quarter, this game was 27-10, to or at least towards the end of the third quarter, it was 27-10. to So it felt like the Bills were in control almost the entire game. And then just chaos. The witching hour of all witching mm-hmm. hours, it felt like, ensued with these two really good good teams. And I feel like we don't see this nearly as much with two good teams. It's often the bad teams where the witching hour part goes crazy to shout out uh, Scott Hansen and NFL Red Zone. But, man, going down to the wire of that game, the terrible Kirk Cousins sneak attempt for them to get into the end zone, which was just, it's like he turned into a dead fish. Like the moment his hands touched the ball, I don't know what he was thinking. We have the worst case scenario, Josh Allen fumble. They go down the field. They take it to overtime. Uh, Vikings obviously have a great drive there. And then what I want to talk about is, really, for the Bills side of things, Josh Allen's getting dangerous here and like not in not in a good way because Josh currently leads the NFL in turnover worthy plays so far this season he's got 19 next close is Justin Fields and Jared Goff with 15 so Josh Allen is a decent amount ahead of those guys you lead turnover worthy plays category by four as a quarterback that's a lot that's significant and especially over the last couple of weeks we've seen Josh Allen do this in the red zone where it's not only you're taking points off the board for your own team you're just you're you're actively making it that much worse it's such a multiplier when you throw a pick in the red zone now i will say this the first interception of this game where he threw it in the red zone in the end zone that one to me is not that big of a deal it was fourth down they were he was throwing it in the end zone he was trying to give his guy a chance obviously you'd rather not throw an interception because of course patrick peterson was able to take it a long ways out of the end zone so they were getting a little bit better field position there but he was taking a chance he was trying to get some points it was fourth down it's not like he could throw it away and they could get a field goal second one in overtime though i looked like he was throwing it into double or triple coverage man it, it, it just looked like he over the last couple of weeks, it feels like Josh Allen, and I know he's not. I don't mean it to come off like this as that like Josh Allen doesn't care. He does deeply. You see that in the in the postgame afterwards. But it's almost like sometimes Josh Allen is throwing the ball as if he's throwing the ball in Madden, where when he throws the interception, you can go, man, and you just t- take the headset off, you put the controller down, and you turn the game off, and that's it. Yeah. Like that's that's the biggest consequences against you. Sometimes it comes out and those very confident throws go for the Bills, and we call him one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. Other times, over the last couple of weeks, it turns wind into losses. So I'm a little worried here about Josh Allen, Mike. Yeah, I'm not worried for the Bills on the whole. You know, for a team that only has one loss in the Minnesota Vikings, for it to take that long, that many plays to go the Vikings' way for them just to win when you're down as many guys as they were, basically their entire secondary. Greg Rousseau as well not playing in this one. Like, they are not even close to full strength, this Bills team, and still really should have won that game. But I do think the bigger thing is, Josh Allen, as you said, the past three weeks, the turnovers, three straight games with two turnovers, three straight games with multiple turnover-worthy plays, as you mentioned, leads the NFL in turnover-worthy plays. That's the worrisome thing to me is just how that kind of lull, that, those kind of mistakes like that, and, and he's still doing it with his legs on the ground. Like He's still definitely moving this offense, but those are the mistakes that can kill you in the playoffs and that you cannot have when you have to run a gauntlet 
that they're probably going to have to run if they're not going to get the one seed in the AFC, which is then, you know, four games to a Super Bowl, unfortunately. So that, to me, is the worrisome thing if you are a Bills fan. Not that they lost this game, just Josh Allen maybe going these lulls. Yeah, JM's going off in the chats. Bills offense around Allen is overrated and actually below average. Said Bills have a bottom 10 offensive line. Gabe Davis is one of the worst number two options in the NFL. No wide receiver three to speak of. No running game. No tight end threat. I think it's a little harsh. Yeah, that's probably a little harsh. Gabe Davis is not the worst wide receiver two in the NFL. Come on. He's, yeah. he is a, Gabe Davis has always been a mainly vertical threat guy. So his entire production is going to be feast or famine. But he's with a quarterback where that works out. So I, I'm definitely pushing back on the, on the worst wide receiver two in the NFL. I'm definitely pushing back on no tight end presence. I think Dawson Knox is fine. Yeah. I mean, like, come on. It's the offensive line, I can be convinced, is the bottom issue. ten. A little bit of an issue. Line in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's 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 harsh, man. I think that I think that one's a, I, I think that's some, some harsh criticism from JM there. On the flip side, though, dude, Justin Jefferson's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get to a take about Justin Jefferson later in the show, but this was him yesterday. Elite 91.3 receiving grade, 16 targets, 10 receptions, 193 yards in the touchdown, seven contested catches, eight first downs, five explosive plays of 15 or more yards. This dude was insane. A true takeover performance as a wide receiver. And it felt like a lot of what the Vikings were doing was clicking in the best ways, especially towards the end there. Look, I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is up there with some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, like uh, like Patrick Mahomes level, like Josh Allen when he's on, you know, like, like guys like that. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is to that level. But he is playing better this year, and I think that people need to recognize that. Dalvin Cook is still a home run waiting to happen out of the backfield. Jefferson can clearly carry that offense. The offensive line, you've highlighted it before on this show, playing well. Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, those two guys making a case for being one of the best pass rush duos in the NFL. Yeah, okay, maybe the secondary is lacking some stars. They've got some veterans that are kind of on the later years of their career. But this Vikings team is legit, and I I really do think they're legit. I, I know that... When we put teams in tiers, we often like to do so mathematically, where we say, how many times would we take this team over another one? Or how many times could we, could, for example, like everybody always goes to the Chiefs, right? How many times would the Vikings beat the Chiefs? They played 10 times. I don't know, two, two. three. Yeah. But Mike, the fact of the matter is, they could win they two or three times. Yeah. To me, that puts them in one of the top tiers of the NFL. Are they a, a runaway team? Am I going to have them favored in a game if I'm putting money on the line? No. But can they win? Yes. And I think that we've seen it time and time again so far this season. I think this is a huge statement game for the Vikings because they are absolutely legit. I don't think they're this team that's going to go away quietly. And in fact, you string a couple of wins together in the playoffs against an NFC that's not that strong. And this team could really be in a situation where they are in the Super Bowl at the end of the year. I really do believe that. Yeah, and to go back to Jefferson, and obviously because the NFC is just like kind of wide open after right. the Eagles. Like, right. It's like, can they beat the Eagles? I think so yes. with this roster. And then at that point, are you, I don't want to say, are you scared of anyone else? But it's like, are you on anyone else in the NFC? It's pretty much going to be a coin flip in, in the playoffs with the Vikings. Like, they're not going to be huge dogs in any of those games. But to go back to Jefferson, he to me is why, you know, everyone talks about when you get to draft season, you talk about wingspan, arm length, that sort of conversation that gets thrown out ad nauseum, he is why. He's only six foot one. You know, he is not a tall wide receiver, but the amount of plays he's able to make outside his frame because he has 33 inch arms, because he is built 
far longer than your average six foot one human being is impressive. And obviously the game changer there at the end, the one-hander. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to say, oh, he's definitely wide receiver one in the NFL. I don't really care about that conversation We'll, we'll right get now. to that. But I'll care he about is it. a wide receiver one that I don't care what your defense is. You have to account for him every single play. I will absolutely get into that conversation. All of a sudden, man, the playoff picture looks a lot different. And we're going to segue into that, the, the game that mattered most for the playoffs. But you mentioned that this game could have easily been in our category for um, – the game that shaped the playoffs because yeah. it's, it's got two major playoff teams in it. Buffalo's currently six and three. It's not like they're a bad football team, but they're currently sitting here at six and three, and they're the sixth seed overall in the AFC because the AFC is so stacked. Minnesota's sitting there at the two. They're right on the heels of the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia drops one or two. Minnesota could overtake them, man. They could end up being the one seed when it's all said and done, which I, I did not think was going to be in the cards. Obviously, Philly's got a good divisional game Monday Night Football tonight against the Commanders. But Miami now leading. The AFC East at 7-3 and three, feels like they're in the driver's seat, too, because it looks like they're going in the right direction. They've also got the tiebreaker over the Buffalo Bills. And you know who else has a tiebreaker over the Buffalo Bills? Somehow the New York Jets. New York Jets have the tiebreaker over the Bills. So, man, it's, it's certainly not. Like I said, like it's, it's not like season over or anything like that for the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. They're going to make the playoffs. But it's not the shoe-in that they're going to be at one seed or they're going to host throughout the playoffs or whatever it is. I mean, like they're... They're in a dogfight now. They're in a dogfight for that position. So, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. What about the game that shaped the playoffs? Other than this one, which we talked about plenty. Yeah, I'm going to go to the, the team that now is the first place team in the AFC East with that tiebreaker, as you mentioned, the Miami Dolphins, putting a hurt on the Cleveland Browns, Truly. moving to 7-3, and three, obviously, with two of the past three weeks. Far and away the highest graded quarterback in the NFL, I believe a 96.1 grade over that span. 96.0. Oh, close. That's insane. I mean, he is playing. If you're a hater still on Tua, you have not flipped on the tape and watched because he didn't even need to be going Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's way ad nauseum in this game to put up a ridiculous stat line. Uh, he is a true. It's interesting because you know a lot of the guys who have come up in recent years who have had success at the quarterback position have been these creators, guys who can do stuff outside of structure. And I think that's what people expect to now see when they want to like crown the next quarterback. Whereas Tua is as pure a pocket passer yeah. as we've seen come out in a while. He doesn't yeah. scramble. He operates from the pocket. He operates quickly with timing. There's no rush element really to his game or creating element to his game. And that's why a lot of people are wary. But it's like he is operating on that Drew Brees level of pocket passer. He's the highest grade quarterback in the NFL right now to where yeah, maybe he's not going to hit every 50-yard bomb uh, in stride. Yeah, maybe he's not going to extend the field with his tools. But he's going to play within the structure as well as anyone can play within the structure, and that's what he's doing at the moment. Then flips out of the coin, Cleveland Browns. They are kind of, I think, still holding out hope. Hey, when Sean Watson comes back in a few weeks, when Sean Watson comes back in a few weeks, if we can just hold their head above water until then, three and six, Bills, Bucks, your next two games before Deshaun comes back, that's very likely to fall to three and eight. That's it. That's over. I, I think that's the nail in the coffin for the Bills right there. The biggest thing that stands out to me is the team speed that Miami has. I mean, I think everybody obviously, you know, you mentioned the passing game. You mentioned what two has been able to do and another game of him being phenomenal. Waddle, we talk about the speed. Tyreek Hill, obviously, we talk about the speed. We talk about the athleticism. Mike Gusecki, Trent Shearfield, obviously, is up there as well for how well they're, uh, he is playing, and they're getting him involved in the offense. But out of the backfield, too. You know, both of their running backs, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert, 
had a touchdown this past week and on both of those touchdown highlights those guys are getting the ball they're getting into space and they are blowing by defenders these are two of the fastest running backs in the nfl and now they're in the same backfield on a team that you look elsewhere it's speed it's speed everywhere so Tua is truly, and I don't mean this as a negative, he is a fantastic facilitator to get the football to these speed demons. And whether it's air yards or yards after the catch or whatever it is, this offense is humming right now. They have a lot of athletes on this team, and it's hard to think that there are many that can match up with the Dolphins when they're playing this well. And I think you see that on the scoreboard. They're just absolutely lighting it up every single week. I mean, where's Tyreek Hill here? Tyreek Hill was fourth on the team in receiving yesterday. He had 44 yards for, and he had a touchdown as well, but he had 44 receiving yards. His team scored 39 points. Mm. Just, they've got so many different options. Yeah. I feel like there's been very few true blowouts in the NFL this season. You know, like a lot of close games throughout the league this year. And, And so the teams that are capable of that have tended to be the ones that are also, you know, top five in our power rankings. Those sort of teams. A uh, game that shaped the playoffs for me, Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers because Packers didn't, didn't watch. They didn't watch. What happened? <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers played well because he was given one competent wide receiver. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and, the, and the Packers won the game 31-28 to in a thriller overtime in Lambeau. No, I mean, like, that is my takeaway from the Packers, honestly. And they're sitting here at 4-6, and it's still an uphill climb for them to make the playoffs. Yeah, I do think that that's the case, but you mentioned it. NFC's so wide open, they're not that far behind sitting there at 4-6. and six. So there's reason to believe that if their best ball is ahead of them, they can sneak into the playoffs as a wildcard team. Clearly not going to catch the Minnesota Vikings, but you can sneak in as a wildcard team. I loved what they were doing with, with, with Christian Watson yesterday, and you and I were talking about this a little bit when we were watching the game. You talk about getting Watson on crossers, crossing routes, deep crosses over the middle, those kinds of things, because so far early on in Christian Watson's career, we've seen Rodgers try to go deep to him because he could be this vertical threat, but it doesn't feel like he's very comfortable catching over the shoulder oh no you know it just doesn't yeah. feel like, like even that first touchdown catch you you watch it and you go oh man you almost you almost dropped it and it just doesn't feel like he's comfortable catching over the shoulder which is tough i mean that is a skill to be able mm-hmm. to track it over your shoulder for deep passes some guys just aren't as coordinated with it when you turn those vertical routes into just crossers where you can fully turn your head and you're still just looking towards the line of scrimmage, that's different. It's a little bit more natural. So I felt like as the game went on and they continued to use Christian Watson, who clearly he was their emphasis yesterday, that's an area where they can continue to allow him to be vertical but not have him do something so uncomfortable like catching over the shoulder, which he's clearly not as as, as reliable with. Obviously, Aaron Jones is fantastic yesterday, um, over 100 yards, 138 yards. A.J. Dillon had 65 yards on the ground as well. Aaron Rodgers is only 14 for 20 passing the ball. It's not like this is a vintage Aaron Rodgers won him the game, but he needed one reliable wide receiver, one. Mm-hmm. And he got it yesterday, and look what happened. They were able to put together a good offensive formula to win the game and best the Cowboys. So um, this one shapes the playoffs for me because I think the Packers are still in it. Maybe their best ball is ahead of them, and they're going to be a threat there. Well, you need one, and this was obviously their biggest, best offensive output of the season. You need one because teams are going to play man coverage otherwise. And it was what they were doing in you know pretty much this entire season. Got to have it situations. Teams would line up, no fear, press man across from, and then no one, you know, Rodgers had no one that he's like, okay, press man, I go to this guy because I know he can get open. No, they didn't have that. And so teams were just 
pretty much play after play after play able to run press man against them. And in this game, Cowboys did the same thing. They, same blueprint. But they had that one guy mm-hmm. that Rodgers trusts. And in press man situations. Trust, quote unquote. Yeah, air, air you know, quotes. At least quotes. gave opportunities to, and that could at least separate. Is forced to trust. And this is what they've been <laughs> missing pretty much the entire season was just that one guy. For the, Dallas, take many. For, take, take for many. the Dallas Cowboys, this one didn't really move the needle too much for me. I know that I said uh, it. I have it in my shape the playoffs category, but it really is that. It's not like – it's not that this one shook up the playoffs for me, but it shaped exactly kind of what I thought, at least for the Cowboys' point of view. I didn't think the Cowboys were going to win the division. I thought this was always kind of the Eagles. This was always going to be a wild card team. So there was good Dak in this game. There was bad Dak. You know, Tony Pollard, another 100-yard game, which is nice to see. They definitely need a little bit more than just CeeDee Lamb in the receiving game. But I always felt like the Cowboys were just going to be a wild card team no matter what. So this is another loss, which kind of gets them to that point where they're going to be seeded somewhere within the wildcard teams. I didn't think that they were going to contend for the division. So it shaped the playoffs in a way where I actually thought it was going for Dallas because I wasn't too uh, worried about that one. Um, any other notes on Dallas or are we moving on? Let's move on. Okay. Because I got that game a little bit later to talk all right. about. Okay. All right. all right. Game that shaped the draft. Which game shaped the draft here? This one you would not have called a game to shape the draft mm-hmm. heading into this season. Mm-hmm. But the Cardinals at the Rams. Brutal watch if you had to slog through two backup <laughs> quarterbacks. Throwing haymakers back and forth at each other. But for the Los Angeles Rams, I, I know we were kind of hinting at it being done. Like there really was no second gear or like way for them with the talent on this roster, especially in the offense line, particularly in the offense line, to get back to what they looked like in the playoffs last year, get back to what they looked like when they were, you know, winning the West last season. And this just kind of hammered that nail in the coffin that. They are three and six. They are dead last in the NFC West. They are not putting points on the scoreboard. And obviously you got a backup quarterback in this game, but even when Matt Stafford is in there, and they hold the eighth overall pick in the draft order for a pick that's a Ray Trey of the Detroit Lions. There's that's it. You're a Rams fan. Come back, see you in two years. It's just not gonna look good. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sean McVay leaves after the season with how bad things have gone. Two weeks ago, this team offered the Carolina Panthers three top 50 picks for Brian Burns. That happened two weeks ago. Mike, that happened two weeks ago. Yeah. The Carolina Panthers, to quote Connor Rogers, my podcast co-host, we had a podcast last night and we were talking about it. The Carolina Panthers saved the Los Angeles Rams, but like from from relevancy extinction. Mm -hmm. It's been, you know. We're getting to the point where Cooper Cup, we don't know exactly what's wrong with his ankle, but it seems like he's going to miss a couple of weeks no matter what. It doesn't look like it's catastrophic, which is great. But, I mean, if Cooper Cup misses time, uh, this team's cooked. They're done. They're, they're not competent at all whatsoever. They almost traded two first-round picks and a second-round pick for a pass rusher at the deadline. When it's the offense, that is all by far and away the problem. Believable. how bad of a hole this team would have been in. If they would, if if Carolina would have pulled the trigger on that deal, they submitted that deal. Yeah. This one in theory, they should have submitted that deal. It's just I can't, I cannot get over it. How after watching this past game, I get it. Matthew Stafford didn't play, but Matthew Stafford's been struggling anyways. His big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio is basically the same right now. It's one, it is. It's ba- yeah, it's, it's basically the same. So, or it is the same. Even if Matthew Stafford back, what is this team? It's, it's a shell of itself. It's, it's a shell of what we thought that it would be. And they almost put themselves in a situation where the Rams were not going to be relevant for the next five years. 
Now, they might not be relevant for a couple of years if things continue to go downhill. We'll have to see. Um, if they can reset a little bit, then maybe we can continue to get competency next year, especially if McVay comes back. But I just that's the part I cannot get over. I cannot get over the fact that two weeks ago they almost completely nuked their entire franchise for the next half decade. They were that close to doing it. Wild. Um, game that shaped the draft for me. <laughs> Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders. Jeff Saturday, highest winning percentage of any NFL head coach of all time right oh, now? Oh, yeah. 1,000. 1,000. Him and Jim Tomsula for that one game. For that one game. Colts end up winning this one 25-20. to 20. Uh, It shapes the draft in two ways. It shapes draft one because the Colts are sitting here at now 4-5-1. and one. We talked about this last week. I think the tie really screws over the Indianapolis Colts, even if they were to lose most of their games throughout the rest of the season. Because there are so many teams that have so few wins, them having that tie is going to bump them a little bit higher. So I never really felt like the Colts were a team that could get within the top five of the draft, even though they need a quarterback. This was one game that they could have absolutely lost that would have gone a long way into seeing how far into the top 10 that they would go. Now they're sitting here at 16th in the draft as it stands today. Uh, Colts might go back and forth a little bit too much and might be in, end up picking 13th in the draft to kind of screw themselves when it comes to getting another franchise quarterback. So that is tough. <sighs> Raiders losing this game. <sighs> I mean, what, what, can, what more can you say about it? You lost to a guy who's never been a coach before. Mm-hmm. You lost to an offensive coordinator who's never been a play caller before. You lost to a quarterback who was benched two weeks ago because he looked absolutely cooked at the t- twilight of his career. You lost to an offensive line, which is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And you did all this at home. They did all this while while noted Raiders legendary fan Guy Fieri was in the building. Mm-hmm. You let him down. I have pushed back very hard on Josh McDaniels being fired after one year. I think this is the kiss of death. I don't know how, unless the Raiders go full night and day change from here on out through the last, whatever it is, month and a half, two months of the season. I think McDaniels is gone. I think Derek Carr is gone. For a while, I thought that it was one or the other. Now I think it's both. I think I think this is this is a stain on this regime that I don't even know if 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 bleach or oxyclean can get out. This is a I don't I, this is rock bottom for the Raiders. I think it needs to be a complete cleaning of house this next offseason um, unless you see some real drastic changes. And if you are not drafting a quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders in your mock drafts right now, it's wrong. I don't know what to tell you. They're picking number two overall. You better have them picking a quarterback because that's where we're going. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I agree with everything there. They they are too bad right now to ignore this quarterback class next season. You are two and seven. You are a bad football team. And you're bad in a number of ways. And like you said, it is your quarterback and your head coach that could be on a chopping block. And if you are in a position to draft quarterback, I think it probably should be both. Cole said C.J. Stroud will look great in uh, silver and black. I think there's a very high possibility for that. Daniel Sauter said Derek Carr got too much hate for his post-game pressure. Did you see the post-game pressure? So yeah. You got hate for that? I, I didn't I didn't see the hate for it. He was yeah. super emotional. And, like, Derek Carr is a very emotional guy. Like, I've never thought one time that Derek Carr was too big for the team or too egotistical or too prideful. Like, the guy, I think, is a team player through mm-hmm. and through. He has not played well. And that sucks when you're the quarterback because you have to get up there and you have to talk about it all the time. But I've never doubted Derek Carr's commitment to the team. I've, I've never doubted uh, how much he cares. And that came out the other, yesterday as his emotions were kind of overflowing because I think he knows they're all done. 
is the thing. Yes, yeah. I think he knows that it's it's done, that he was drafted by the Raiders, that he wanted to retire a Raider, that he wanted to bring success to the Raiders franchise, and that he works really hard at trying to do that. It hasn't worked, and I think that Derek Carr is staring down the barrel of my career did not go the way that I thought it was going to go, and that his days with the Raiders are numbered. He's going to be playing for a different organization next year, and I think that's really what you saw with him is he's coming to grips with that. There's not really any salvaging this current situation with him, with this regime, so I don't think he definitely I, – I don't think he should have gotten hate for that. It was just a – Dude's uh, dude's trying to, to win, and he knows his teammates are trying to win, and it's it's just not going well. So, um, yeah. We know who he's going to be playing for next year. I mean, is Colts? it Jeff, Jeff Saturday? Colts. Yeah, he should yeah, have just walked across the sideline and uh, got on their team <laughs> bus. Got on, got on the plane. Got on the plane. Uh, Elliot's pointing out that the Eagles currently have the number four overall pick. We're going to get to that on Wednesday's episode of the show. Oh, yeah. Because we're going full draft on Wednesday. It's going to be an absolute blast all right what's the game that did not make any sense mike we talked about it already but the packers cowboys game really didn't make sense it didn't make sense it didn't make sense what do you mean the packers had were 22nd in epa per play going into this week negative epa per play going into this week the worst offense in the Aaron Rodgers era going into this week cowboys were third cowboys defense was sick all year long third in epa per play this past week all right both put up Cowboys defense, the highest DPA per play they've given up all season. Packers put up the highest DPA per play they've done all season. Shouldn't have happened. Didn't make sense. All because they finally found a wide receiver. Christian Watts finally actually made some plays. There we go. I love how Christian Watts finally plays well, and the reaction from all Packers fans is just like, finally, got finally. Bum. Well, I mean, the bum. He's, he's not. I'm not crowning him by. He'll any be means, fine, but he'll he's be like fine. he'll be fine. Anything. Unfortunately, if you watch this wide receiver core, it was like someone do anything. You know, it was like the stick dead body. Yeah, do like, something. Do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. This Packers wide receiver core is like there were so many plays out there to be made. Someone just make one. I do kind of feel bad for Christian Watson because it feels like he's a wide receiver two in this league that's being forced to not only play as a wide receiver one, but just the narratives around Green oh, Bay yeah. over the last three or four years. It's like. Why aren't you the savior? Yes. And like, not only is he not a wide receiver one, but to, to say like, why aren't you the savior yet? Especially with him coming over from NDSU is kind of crazy to ask. So you know, it's a work in progress. But it was great to see them actually get the ball to Christian Watson and uh, three touchdowns. And he also still no. had like two drops and one gross misplay of a ball in that game. I but know. Still. Could have had four touchdowns. Yeah. But that that should be encouraging. We talked about that. It's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, the game that didn't make any sense to me was was Titans Broncos. Mainly because the Broncos just never make any sense to me. Titans won 17-10. to 10, And, again, I do think it's hilarious that whether the, the Tennessee Titans are playing the Kansas City Chiefs or they're playing the Houston Texans, they're going to win by one possession. That's it. It just doesn't matter what team they're playing, whether it's the best or the worst. That's their formula. That's how they're going to do it. They win 17-10 to 10 against the Broncos. The part that didn't make sense to me is it's not like we haven't talked about this this season. I think we've talked about it a lot. But the Broncos' offense, man, Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett brought in to be an offensive guy. You bring in Russell Wilson because you want to take that next step as an offense. You want to get better on offense. 327.1 yards per game this season. That's 22nd in the NFL. 5.1 yards per play this season, which is 26th. Mike, they had 313 yards of offense yesterday against the Titans. On 73 offensive plays. And not only that. 66 yards came on one play of a busted coverage. 
That's like if, uh, you, if you take that 66-yard play and you just say, oh, hey, let's make it a you know a 20-yard game. Let's say the defender was close mm-hmm. enough to him. Oh, he gets it. It's a 20-yard game. They have like 265 yards on 73 plays. This offense is awful. Yeah. This offense is terrible. The run game is bad. The quarterback play is bad. The receiving group is bad. I know Jerry Judy went out in the game. I know Corlin Sutton had some decent moments. But holy cow, man. This is one of the worst offenses in the NFL. You talk about coaches who might be one and done. I don't know if Hackett's going to be one and done because, to be honest with you, I look at a lot of the candidates that who would be up there to be a head coach to replace him, and they honestly interviewed a lot of those guys last year, and they took Hackett over them. Well, and also, who are you selling to walk in and try to deal with Russ? That's tough. You, you know? Jeff Saturday. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but like me, who, me or you. Who's going to see that situation, see how Russ played this year, and see how long they're tied to him and be like, yeah, I'll take that chance. I can turn Russ around. It's like, mm, Russ has kind of done his own thing his entire career. It's kind of been the Russ offense no matter where he's gone. And right now the Russ offense looks untenable. You can't win with it. Bad, bad. Can't win with it. Can't coach with it. Can't do it. Um, it's a quote for everybody who uh, who's going to knock him for it. Walt's in the chat finally. Walt. Sakar is the second worst winning percentage through eight-plus years with one team in NFL history. Ooh, great History. Stat. Great stat, Walt. I knew Walt. I knew I Walt's, would be the worst. I knew Walt's ears would. It could perk be a up. question of the day. That could be a question of the day, actually. Maybe Who I'll look it up. Is Walt coming for your job? Maybe. I mean, he's very active. He is. I would consider him a part of the show. That's true. Would you consider him a bigger part of the show than you? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Tyler behind you. <laughs> uh, I knew that Walt's ears would perk up when we started talking bad about the Cowboys. Um, yeah, all right. There we go. That's uh, Those are the uh, superlatives of the games that we have. What about the best of the rest? Let's look at some other ones because we, we, we overlap for a couple of games, so there's a, a few that we didn't quite get to. Is there a game from the schedule that we didn't get to talk to in a superlative that you want to give a shout-out to? You got some takes on one way or the other. Yeah, I wanted to give a shout-out to the Chiefs-Jags game. I, I thought it was a very fun game to watch overall because you saw two quarterbacks playing at a very high level. That, that to me, was almost a damn near perfect game for Mahomes. Outside of the interception, I don't think he had a bad play the rest of the game. That was a nails performance from him. Obviously, when he's doing that, they're not, you're not going to beat the Chiefs. Like I don't care who you are. Chiefs are the best team in the NFL when Mahomes is playing at that level. But on the flip side of things, I thought Lawrence played at one heck of a game. I thought he had some high-level plays, a lot of great throws from the pocket, back-to-back games now, overall grade above 80.0. You know, I, I'm not going to just say, oh, this is the, tur- the corner he's turned it. I'm not dumb enough to just say all of a sudden things are different there. Might be. But I do think these flashes are better flashes than any of the kind of other young quarterbacks that people are still holding out hope for. He is definitely flashing the high-end play more so than anyone else. Consistency remains to be seen, but back-to-back weeks now, a very consistent play to where you just give him you give him the weapons that these other teams have that look like the high-powered offense around the NFL, and I think you could see the Jaguars' offense look like those. Yeah, I think that when you look at this game, it was simply a matter of one team's currently arrived in their winning window, and the other team yeah. is not. And the yeah. other team is getting there. And I do agree with you. Lawrence had... Um, a couple of throws. I mean, that drive, I think the, the one to the end and the first half was really nice from Lawrence. He operated that two-minute drill very, very well. 
it just, the Jags roster, it's just not there yet. It's really not. Now, they're adding Calvin Ridley next year, which is great. Another year of Travis Etienne is going to be great. Um, another offseason to get a lot better. I think they're, unfortunately for them, going to have a high draft pick. Um, I know that they would like to have played a little bit better this season. But they're probably going to have a top-five draft pick because of it. So there's another really good player that they're going to be able to add. A young defense, they're coming along. So I agree. I think I saw it the exact same way as you. I do want to highlight the uh, the Buccaneers game. I didn't have them as any of my superlatives, but I had to shout out the Bucks' massive win in Germany. Tom Brady now the only Historic. N- only NFL quarterback, only quarterback in NFL history to ever win a regular season game in the country of Germany. Nice, you know, Tom Brady. Just, good. An- just, an- just another great thing that Tom Brady has. No, what I want to highlight from this game is first of all. I don't think the Bucks got the Seattle Seahawks best. Mm-hmm. It really didn't feel like the Seahawks warmed up in that game until about midway through the third quarter. I don't know if it was a time zone change. I don't know if it was the big travel. I don't know if it was just unfamiliar, a lot of things. I wonder how differently that game gets played, even if it's a neutral site. Shoot, even if it's in Tampa. I wonder how different that game might be and, and, and how... Because when we saw the Seahawks offense finally start to click towards the end of that second half, it became a game. Seahawks really got into it. You know, Smith had some monster throws. So I think that Tampa simply came out um, a lot better than the Seahawks did to start that first half of the game. But what's most important, honestly, because it, this Bucks team is going to make the uh, the make the playoffs, they've got to play Rashad White moving forward. Yes. Uh, Rashad White, 22 carries, over 105 yards. 4.8 yards per carry average. Run defense is also great. I've got those numbers up there. But it just looks so much different when Rashad White's got the ball as opposed to when Leonard Fournette has the ball. And if the Bucks are going to stay as balanced as they want run to pass, you've got to give the better player the ball. This guy's given you more for the carries that, that, um, that he's received over the last couple of weeks. And because of that... I don't care if Fournette's the vet. You got to give the ball to the better player. Right now, that's Rashad White. Yeah, I can't speak to how you felt watching the game, but I know myself watching these two run. I, I felt like I was taking crazy pills because Rashad White just has a different caliber of explosiveness. There's just a different level of creativity and big playability within him than Leonard Fournette does. Leonard Fournette's like throwing, uh, you know, 240 pounder against a brick wall at the time. Like there, there's, if it is. He can maybe get you the more, you know, maybe he stays on schedule better. Maybe he's not going to make as many mental mistakes. But the way this offense has looked, you need a guy who can go a little bit above and beyond what's blocked. A little bit above and beyond what's schemed there. Leonard Fournette has not been that guy, not been that guy since early in his career in Jacksonville. Rashad White is that guy right now. He can actually do those plays, as we saw. So, yeah, Rashad White better be RB1 there going forward or else they're going to look like the Bucks' offensive bowl. Uh, at Duke asked this question. It's a good segue into the last game that I want to make sure that we touch on. Who would you rather build a franchise around right now, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? And Chicago Bears, Lions were in an absolute slugfest yesterday. Lions ended up winning the game 31-30, to but we saw so many incredible plays from Justin Fields in that one. So I don't, just a way to answer that question while maybe talking a little bit about what we saw from Fields. I'll have an article on PFF.com later today about oh, second quarterbacks. Interesting. Sneak peek. Okay. Are you Lawrence? Lawrence. I was going to say. Look, if you can't say Lawrence, I'll say Lawrence. But it is fun to be able to have this conversation in this light as opposed to what we were at the beginning of the year. It felt like we asked this question at the beginning of the year. I know we did the thing on the whiteboard Mm -hmm. with Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. But if we would have done this after week three, it would have been like, I mean, like, I mean, probably Lawrence, I guess. But like now we actually have good things to talk about. And it's like you're actually wanting to build around him now. Yeah. You you know, you're seeing him play. Yes. You're seeing what they're capable of. 
and you're saying, you, your mind's kind of like, the bells and whistles are going off. You're like, ooh, if I get this piece, I get that piece, all of a sudden, things could look vastly different. It could look like a Super Bowl trophy in the future with these two guys. Okay, all right. I, I teased it at the beginning of the show. We want to get to a segment called Today I Learned. Really, it's this weekend I learned, but today is a Monday. We're declaring it. So we want to hear from you guys as well. You'll listen to us. We've got one thing that we learned from this past weekend, but we want to hear from you as well. Could be, hey, today I learned this team is playoff bound or this team is going to win a playoff game. This player is somebody that you build around. This player is somebody who's going to be good for a long, long time. Tell us what you learned this weekend. Mike, I'm going to start with you, though, while the chat fires theirs off. What is something that you learned from this weekend? I learned, and maybe I had actually known this before because it's been happening all season, but Brian Dable is a madman. The head coach for the New York Giants, he's doing the things that Joe Judge preached, you know, the physicality, the team unity, the culture, whatever, that Joe Judge, like, said all in his press conferences but never then executed on the football field, Brian Dable is putting them into action in a way that's far, far better than Joe Judge ever did, as is evidenced by the win column. Seven wins, 7-2 and two on the season. Second best record in the NFC East, third best record in the NFC right now. They are going to make the playoffs. That would be a long shot for them not to at this point. Brian Dable gave Saquon Barkley 35 carries against the Houston Texans. That is the most in a single game from a running back since Derrick Henry of week two last year, they are riding him till well, his contract ends at they're, the end of this year. They're but trying to kill this man. You look at this. He has two of the three highest attempt games so far on the season when they think they have an advantage in the run game. And obviously a lot of teams have thought they have an advantage in the run game against Texans, as you can see there. But when you think they do, they're not even going to bother with the pass. They, 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 they had Daniel Jones pass 17 times this game. So Brian Dable... Whatever it takes to win, he's going to do it. Wherever he thinks he has an edge, he's going to exploit it. And it's gone swimmingly this year for Giants. What was the what was the pass to run ratio? Wasn't it 47 carries to like 14 passes? I think it was 17 passes. I, I think I looked it up and it was 47 the third highest run to pass ratio this year. The other ones ahead of them, I believe, were uh, Carolina. Carolina. And, and then the Atlanta? No, the Titans. Oh, okay. Because okay. when there was the Malik Willis game, I believe. Oh, like, right. Okay, we're not going to try. That one, that one yeah. does. That one does make sense. All right. So I see a lot of good today I learned in the chat. So we're going to get to those in a second. Give you guys a little bit more time to think about it and fire a good one off. Mike, this one I learned this weekend. I learned that Justin Jefferson is a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Like he's a lock. You know, like we we've had these conversations, and I am somebody who stays away from a lot of these conversations because mm -hmm. wide receiver comes in so many different shapes and sizes, so many different coaches, so many different offenses, quarterbacks get a, a lot out of these different types of wide receivers that I hate putting them in a numerical list. I really do. I don't like doing this. Okay. Justin Jefferson is top three. I don't care where he is on your list. I don't care if he's one. I don't care if he's two. I don't care if he's three. But if he's not three, if he's not in your top three, the list is wrong. I don't know what to tell you. This kid is so young and so good and so dominant. Top five most explosive receiving plays in a single game this season. Tyreek Hill's got the first two. Justin Jefferson has the next three. This weekend was one of three weekends where he has had five explosive plays in a single game. He is a takeover wide receiver. He is someone who they know exactly where the ball is going and the, the, the team cannot do anything about it. 
There were some stats that were fired off after the game. Mike Giardi had this one. Justin Jefferson has 20 career games now with over 100 yards receiving. That's the most by any player in their first three seasons. He's also tied with Lance Altworth and Odell Beckham Jr. for the fewest games, 42, to reach 4,000 career receiving yards. This man, you talked about him at the top of the show, uniquely gifted in his athleticism and his build for how he can extend the catch radius and extend the catching window, but also the nuance of his route running, how he sets guys up, how he creates separation. He is a playmaker before and after the catch. His stats show all of this. And he is, to me, a true takeover wide receiver. There are so many great wide receivers in the NFL. But if Justin Jefferson's not in your top three, the list is wrong. Well, who's your top three? You got, let's get it. If he's top three, then who's your top three? I would tell you that Tyree Kill is number one. Yeah. I would tell you that Justin Jefferson is number two. Okay. And I would tell you that every week it will rotate for number three. I would have to really sit here if I'm about yeah. to like put my name on who's going to be number three because there's so many. Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, right? So there's so many wide receivers who could take that three spot that I think I'm comfortable saying that one rotates a lot more than the top two right now. But the top two for me are Tyreek and Justin Jefferson. That's fair. That's fair. So that's what uh that that's what mine is there. Let's uh let's look back and see what uh what the chat learned. He said uh, to, this weekend, I learned that Daniel Jones is a starting QB. We learned the Bills need another pass catch weapon. Okay, well, yeah, Daniel well, I mean, Jones has been starting since uh, 2020, so or 2019. So yeah, but was... has he really? <laughs> yeah, but has he really? Um, I don't know if this was the game to learn that. <laughs> they, well, we just talked about how they gave Saquon Barkley the most carries of any running back dra- last season. Dragon Tiger said, I learned that Justin Herbert, when healthy, is a top five quarterback in the NFL. There were some nuts throws last night. Yeah. He had four big time throws. Yeah. Led the NFL. Four big time throws. I will say the one that was like going around got a little overhyped because it was man coverage, like the crossing route one. And he just never saw that other guy in there. And he was never going to pick it off because it was man coverage. And so he was never going to be in that window. Just to say it, just get off my soapbox. The one to Jandre Carter, right? Yeah, but that throw was still stupid. It was a nice throw. It was stupid. Nice throw. He's flowing to the left. Yes. This is a great throw. Throwing in our rope to him. Yeah. But it was a big window, really. You're a hater. You're just a hater. Okay. Coltrane said, I learned that the Vikings defense can hold their own against any team. <sighs> I don't know about any team. Yeah, I don't know. You got to be careful what you wish 30. for there. Yeah. You got you to gotta be, you you be careful what you wish for, I think. Um, what's another one? <laughs> Drew said, I learned that the entire nation of Germany knows all the lyrics to Country Roads, which is funny. That Did you one see was that? great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did not know that before this weekend. Not very happy I do. <laughs> Nico said, I learned that Matt Ryan can move like Seabiscuit. Did you see the scramble? Nice little scramble off the, off the right oh, side of the not. field. Oh, dude, tucked it and ran it. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Raiders defense are like, there's no way he's keeping it. It's Matt freaking Ryan. Matt Ryan said, all right, bet. Um, Walt said, Justin Jefferson is great. Good to be in good company with, uh, with Walt there. Uh, he, he also said that... Uh, he learned that Dexter Lawrence and Andrew Thomas are franchise players. We've highlighted both here on this show. We love both of those guys on both sides of the ball. So I think the I think yeah, Dexter both Lawrence agree with has that. Been, whew, I mean, he's been like different type of nose tackle than we've seen since, you know, nada maybe. Like I, I don't even Via Vea in his prime was not has not been doing what Dexter Lawrence is doing this season in terms of pass rushing ability, in terms of affecting that aspect of the game. Uh, do we got any other ones? Got any other ones? Ah, oh, Williams said, today I learned that Jeff Saturday can be a coach. 
His bank account agrees. Yeah. And the wind column agrees. All right. I think that's it. He's all we got. Oh, Cole, last one. Said, I learned that Sean McVay is going to be a new analyst for Thursday Night Football next year. Oh, yeah. Damn it. Taking jobs from us. Stay, stay coaching, McVay. We need <laughs> we got to feed our family, McVay. Yeah. Think of it. Come on. Think of all the trades that you could do for draft picks that you're not going to pick. There are, uh, Monday Night Football tonight, a uh, divisional matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders. Eagles are favored by 11 in this one. The over-under is 43-and-a-half. Mike, what do we think for the spread here? You think the Eagles cover 11? I do. I just – Heineke – Against this secondary, feels like it feels like three picks, right? I, I agree. It just feels like a lot of interceptions. Unfortunately, I, I don't think it's you know realistic. I think the Commanders have turned the corner in, in a number of ways, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I don't think Heineken still built up the points this team. So yeah, I'll go Eagles in this one. I will go over that 43 and a half. Oh, you're going over? Because turnovers, you know, turnovers lead to points. I, I think a high variance sort of game is going to be played. And then my prop is under nine and a half carries for Antonio Gibson because we're probably going to have to throw Oh, yeah. You say, all right, so we were just highlighting on the screen there. You can see that Antonio Gibson prop bet, that's an A. If you guys don't have the PFF app, that's where we're getting this little screen from. So go to the uh, the app store, download PFF, Pro Football Focus. You can see it and have the best PFF.com, especially the betting dashboard right in the palm of your hand. I'm also going Eagles. I know that we think that bet's an F just because it's so many points, but uh, I think they're going to dominate this game as they always kind of have. I'm going to go under our projections, like under a little bit better, but I, I do think it's because the Eagles defense is going to show up and, and clamp down on this this Washington Commanders offense. So I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball much. I don't think they're going to be able to score much. But I do think the Eagles are going to be able to score plenty, and that's why I'm going over A.J. Brown five and a half receptions. I feel good about that one. See it. I feel very good. Is A.J. Brown wide receiver three? A.J. Brown. I, I didn't mention A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown could be sitting there in the mix for a wide receiver Jamar three. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase at some points can be yeah. in the mix for wide receiver three. So I that, think that's a good take. That's yeah, nice. I do think those two have clearly stood up this season and said, yeah, what, I don't care what it is. We're problems. Yeah, I don't care who you at on the defense side of the ball. We're problems. Although I will say, Darius Slade gives JJF some sauce. So maybe not every game, but Tyree Kill just you're allowed to have you're allowed to have a game. You're allowed to have now. I think that Tyree Kill. The reason why I would lean for him to be one is because every single week he can beat any corner. Truly is. Yeah, Yeah, it it, it's just it's it's impossible to cover him. It feels like it's a very LeBron James answer of you. Like when they asked him, "What's your favorite part in The Godfather?" And he's like, ah, I just I like it all. <laughs> You're all so long. Come on. Come on. Pick I one. Look, I at, least, I at least gave a one and two. May, okay, later in the week, I'll, I'll name a three. Okay. I'll name, I'll, I'll name a third. Please Later do. in the week. So that means that you guys got to tune in to the rest of the show. See? I'm trying to bring it back. Nice. I'm a company man. Yeah. Watch the show. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, Quinn, do we have an answer for the question of the day? It seems like a lot of us are going with 2002 as the last year that Tom Brady did not make the playoffs yep it is in fact 2002 which to be honest like that's almost crazier than the six super bowls he had missed no it's it's playoffs in two decades yeah. it's insane i was 12 years old it's insane you know how many you know how many fans are out there that haven't watched their team play a meaningful playoff game in that span i mean it was me yeah, until last was, year yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, not anymore. I watched a few. Yeah, not, not anymore. Sick. Not anymore. The, those, day, those days are long gone, baby. 
Those days are long gone. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Tom Brady's whole career will never be matched ever again. Oh, it'd be very difficult. No, it wouldn't impossible. be. No, 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 no. It wouldn't be very difficult, Mike. It'd yeah. be impossible. Yeah. It would be absolutely impossible. Yeah. The success that he's had over the last 10 years, the longevity of the postseason play, the Super Bowl rings, the hardware, the statistics, everything, it'll never be touched again. Mm-hmm. And it's wild that he's still out here doing it. Crazy. Peyton Manning's still better in his prime. Okay. All right. Now, are you, are Peyton Manning's better in his prime. Are you really going to say that at the end I mean, of the Peyton show? Manning's still I'm, literally, I'm about to sign off. Just sign off. I'm about Peyton to Manning's sign off, and you're, just, you're literally just dropping that grenade on the timeline. I'm, I'm saying Trombay's had a better career. Peyton Manning was better in his prime. But. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Listen. I'm going to name a wide receiver three, <laughs> and we're going to get into this later in the week. we got a jam-packed week here. We, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting Seth back on the whiteboard at some point this week. We're talking draft on Wednesday. We're updating the draft order. Of course, we got dogs of the week that are coming yep. tomorrow as well. It is – we've already kind of set some of the schedule this week, and it's going to be one of my favorite weeks that we have had on the show. So hopefully, if you guys are watching now, if you guys are watching after the show, get in live on the chat. It's going to be very interactive. It's going to be very fun. Do we have a chat champ for the day before we get out of here? Yeah, shout out Nathan TMF. He's our chat champ of the day. He's one of the many that got it right. Also, Woo-hoo! shout out my alma mater, University of Cincinnati Bearcats. There we go, uh, baby. For hooking us up. On yes. Us. Oh, yeah. That Dude, was fun. Friday night. That was a blast. On Friday night show, we told you guys that we were going to head to the University of Cincinnati. They were playing against ECU. It was Friday night football, and it was electric. I'd, n- I'd never been to a Bearcats game. Yep. And that was phenomenal. At night, a little cold. It was true football weather, and Cincinnati came away with a big win. Shout out to everybody in the Cincinnati Bearcats program for making that happen, for letting us watch a game. It was an incredible experience, and if you are in the Cincinnati area, if you've never been to a game, it's fun, man. Yeah. Never Stadium's awesome. It it's a cool great setup. environment to watch a football game. I, I like on-stadium campus or on-campus stadiums, and mm-hmm. once they're like dug into the dirt, so like you walk up when you're on campus and like, you can walk basically right up to the field. It's beautiful. Yeah. You can film NFL practices. Film NFL practices. You can also there. film NFL practices there as well. All right, everybody. Uh, shout out to Nathan for being our chat champ. Nathan, that means you got to get in the show tomorrow and bring us your dogs of the week as we will each bring our three as well. For Trevor Sikama, for Mike Renner, for everybody in the production portal, thank you guys so much for watching the show. We'll see you right here, 11 a.m. Eastern, for It's Just Football tomorrow. See you guys then. It's not about politics, it's about football. This is a simple game. We're going to run the ball, then we're going to pass the ball. He's just going to play football, really. How good of a football player are you? I just get it and try to spin it. That's all. I just love the game. It really is the best time of the year.